2: You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbookins. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble book hall, you can get over a thousand titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Tobacco's are fictitious and should not be cooked at home.
3: 3rd 2017 college football show our wrote of his radio podcast i'm kyle pollock on twitter at kyle pollock ff and joining me is my co-host jordan hoover on twitter at j hoover 9787 jordan how you doing tonight
1: pretty good kyle um another good weekend of college football action we had some uh some some top teams roll alabama continues to look kind of unbeatable penn state showed up in a big spot against michigan i'm sure we'll talk about that game Miami held off, uh, upstart Syracuse, we got a bunch of bunch of games to cover in the rundown for last week, and I actually really like the slate for this upcoming weekend, we're going to dive into some of those games, so we got a lot to talk about.
3: Yeah, certainly, probably not as eventful as uh, last week was, but certainly a lot of good games, and like you said, this week's an exciting slate, so uh, I, I'm pretty pumped for that one, but um, First game we're going to talk about, like you said, was the uh, primetime game. Game day was there this week. It was Penn State Michigan? Penn State rolled forty-two to thirteen. Uh, kind of jumped out ahead early. Saquon Barkley had a sixty-nine yard touchdown run on the second play of the game to kind of get things going for them. Uh, Ohio, Ohio, excuse me, Ohio State. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Michigan scored thirteen points in the second quarter to kind of come back, but after that, it was all Penn State. Uh, Barkley had one hundred eight yards and two touchdowns on the ground to go along with fifty-three yards and a touchdown receiving. Um, Trace McSorley was pretty solid for Penn State, 17 for 26, 282 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Also had three touchdowns rushing, 76 yards on the ground. Um, Overall, I was really, really impressed with um, Penn State in this game. Uh, I think it was their most complete game as a team this year, and uh, I think it bodes well for them heading into this week against uh, Ohio State, which is, I'm sure, a game we'll talk about later.
1: Yeah, and for Trace McSorley, um, he, he made that one... Crucial error that he seems to make just about every game, but then after he gets that out of his system, he's he's pretty much the perfect quarterback for Joe Moorhead's offensive system that they're running at Penn State. And Deshaun Hamilton had really he showed up a big way. He had six catches, 115 yards, and Saquon Barkley as a receiver, he only caught three passes for 53 yards, but one was for a touchdown. And I think the combination of Barkley as a wide receiver and Trace McSorley as a runner is kind of an intriguing. Combination moving forward, especially next week against Ohio State, then Michigan State, and through the rest of their schedule. I think that if those two things continue to function the way that they did against Michigan, a really tough defense, that just adds two more elements to this offense that are nearly impossible to stop, especially on the read option that they run with McSorley and Barkley. When both are a threat to run, as they were this week, it just is incredibly difficult to stop for a defense. And for Michigan, It's kind of, you know, it's kind of what we talked about last week when we previewed this game. Michigan just, they really struggle on the offensive side of the ball. John O'Korn at times looked good, but as a whole, he still has, I think, work to do, and just that offense as a whole has work to do. And I was honestly a little bit surprised about how Penn State's offensive line pushed Michigan's defensive line around a bit. I really didn't see that coming necessarily, and I thought this game would be much closer than it finished. But, yeah, like you said, it was an impressive showing for Penn State. And they have, you know, the biggest game on their schedule coming up this weekend.
3: Yeah, I think uh, the point you made with the offensive line for Penn State was, uh, you know, a really good one. I think this was really the game where they turned things around. And kind of similar to last year, uh, this was the first game, I think, where McSorley made a huge impact as a runner. And that was kind of what sent them on the run last year. Um, And they added that nice little wrinkle, too, where they had a... Barkley shift over to quarterback, and they ran the inverted read with, uh, you know, McSorley coming out of the backfield. So, I think that kind of just says that they're just starting to open up their playbook, kind of. They didn't want to show too much the first couple of weeks, and now they're going to start to get going. Um, and for Michigan, like you said, uh, I think this is, we kind of talked about it last week, almost like a rebuilding year for them. Uh, just kind of got to reload on offense, that defense is set. But, you know, especially with Wilden Spade out, um, doesn't look like they're going to make a whole lot of noise coming up the rest of the season. Um Next game we're going to talk about uh, was a very close game. Uh, came down to the last play of the game. Oklahoma knocked off Kansas State, uh, 42 to 35. Uh, Rodney, Rodney Anderson had a touchdown on the very last play of the game for Oklahoma um, to kind of to win the game for him. Um, and he led the way this game. Um, not Trey Sermon. I didn't catch any of this game. Not sure if Trey Sermon got hurt or not. But Anderson, uh, 147 carries. 147 <laughs> carries, I'm sorry, 147 yards uh, and a touchdown this game on 19 carries. He's a guy who I picked up in a couple of deep devy leagues before the year, thinking he might be the starter, because um, I kind of liked what I saw on high school tape, and uh, obviously Sermon's been carrying the load, but I was uh, you know, happy he got some run this game. Um, our guy, Baker Mayfield, kept kept doing his thing, had 410 yards, two touchdowns, uh, one interception, and was also 32 for 41. Um, Oklahoma, um, you know, their offense played well this game, just that defense. Just like most of the Big 12, that's the concern with them. Um, not too worried about this game. Teams slip up from time to time, but they were able to pull it out, so that's good.
1: Yeah, and, and we both love Oklahoma's offense, obviously. Like you said, we're big Baker Mayfield fans. What he's doing is been pretty incredible this season, just continuing what he's been doing for the last three years, really. And it, it's the defense. Like you said, When when I think about Oklahoma in the – grand scheme of things uh, nationally I think of teams that can run the ball really well like in Alabama for instance and I I just really don't know that Oklahoma's defense can necessarily stand up against a team like Alabama that has superior athletes and runs the ball for Kansas State in this game the quarterback Alex Delton who is filling in for Jesse Ertz I believe who was injured he looked really good running the ball, and it was, you know, it's kind of that Kansas State offense where they focus on the quarterback as a runner more so than as a passer. If you've watched Kansas State over the last couple of years, you you know exactly what, what I'm talking about. And Alex Delton, who is a bit smaller than the typical Kansas State big quarterback that they generally have, he was showing some really, some some nice ability to run the ball, and I think that they just kind of ran into an offense that they couldn't quite contain. It's always difficult to play in Manhattan, and Kansas State is always a well-coached football team that, that is pretty disciplined. So this was a this was a good win for Oklahoma, and I think that it might be good that, it, that they were tested a bit. It, you know, you like to see them be able to handle a team that is, you know, technically less talented, but to be able to go on the road in a difficult place against a well-coached team, you know, a win-win, and they continue moving forward um, at the top of the Big 12, uh, looking looking ahead.
3: Yeah, and this was kind of part of a series of games that you know all came right down to the wire, and all could have been pretty big upsets. None of them ended up happening, but it was you know pretty entertaining stretch to watch there. Um, next up, uh, we're going to be talking about Butch Jones again. Um, sorry for him. Uh, it's 40, Alabama knocked off Butch Jones in the Vols, 45 to seven. Not much to talk about on the Tennessee side of things. They were bottled up for the most part all game. Only touchdown was a defensive one, uh, in which the player, one of the players ended up flipping off the Alabama crowd, which I'm sure a lot of people saw. Um, but uh, Alabama did what they did. They ran, usually do. Uh, ran the ball well. Um, they put in the freshman kind of start of the third quarter, I believe. Um, Jalen Hurts was efficient in the first half. Two attack of Aloha. Uh, had, a, had that pick six, but uh, he also had a really nice rushing touchdown where he uh, kind of left the defender in the dust, put him on skates. That was nice to see. Um, I'm glad he's been getting some <laughs> run this year because I think he's a really talented guy. Um, Henry Ruggs, another true freshman receiver, um, one of the, a big group they have down there, uh, had a 60 yard touchdown. And Jerry Judy, another true freshman, their top true freshman receiver, had three catches, 48 yards. Overall, not a lot for me to take away this game other than that Alabama is the clear-cut best team in the country they've showed that all year there's no reason they shouldn't be unanimous number one team in the country every single week unless they lose
1: yeah and like you said there's not a whole lot to touch on here but I just wanted to bring this game up because for a couple reasons like Alabama dominant they've I'm pretty sure I heard a stat somewhere that they've outscored SEC opponents by 200 points to this point the point differential which is pretty incredible um they're a fun team to watch in a sense that we're getting to see their depth on a weekly basis, and they're they're building experience all the way up and down through the roster, which is even scarier to think about because whenever they do have roster turnover like they do every year, then the guys filling in are already somewhat experienced, and that just is an even bigger nightmare for everyone that has to play them um Bo Scarborough served as the goal line back he had two touchdowns eighteen yards rushing. Damian Harris, the guy that I wrote up in my article last week, he led the team in carries with 13, 72 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I've, Like I said, I've been a bit hesitant to kind of try and parse this backfield because they rotate backs in and out so frequently, and they have so much talent. But in my opinion, I think Damian Harris is kind of emerging as the guy. He's been the most explosive and efficient runner, and he just doesn't get the touches. But – in the long run, I think as an NFL running back, that might actually benefit him because I do think he's an NFL talent and he will be coming into the league with a lot less uh, wear and tear on his body than the usual Alabama running back. So looking long term, I think that could actually benefit Harris. Um, for for Tennessee, I I really like John Kelly, and it's such a bummer that he's stuck in this situation you know he had 12 carries for 63 yards and if you can average over five yards a carry against alabama's defense that's pretty impressive and it's just a really unfortunate thing that he only got 12 carries i mean i Al- or Ten- tennessee didn't really have the ball very much and they didn't run a ton of plays anyways but john kelly is the guy that i'm not forgetting about even as this ship is going down in tennessee he's an NFL running back in my opinion And he's shown it pretty consistently on a really bad team against superior competition. So he's a dude that every week, even though Tennessee is likely to lose, you know, they could lose every single game, if we're being honest, the rest of the way out. They probably won't, but they could. But John Kelly is a guy that's deserving of our attention.
3: Yeah, certainly. Um, I really like Kelly, too. Uh, You know, you bringing him up kind of made me think of, oh, you know, wish he was in a better situation. And uh you know, I thought of Jalen Hurd, someone who, uh, you know, probably a couple of Debbie guys remember, and he's someone that thought he was going to a better situation and ended up at Baylor. I completely forgot about him, just a name kind of to, you know, monitor in the next couple of years. Um, he's a guy I liked. Um, and touching on Damian Harris, like you said, you know, I know a lot of those Alabama guys have produced as a rookie in the NFL after getting heavy workloads in college, um, and then have faltered after that. So Harris getting a workload, um, he was a five-star back coming out of. Or getting a lighter workload, and like you said, talented guy, five-star back coming out of uh, high school, so certainly a guy who's risen up my board a lot this year. Um, going over to what was once a top-ten matchup, uh, but was a very close game. Uh, I was surprised. I, I was listening to a podcast, uh, the Shutdown Podcast earlier in the week, and they said tickets were only going for $8 this game, which really surprised me, considering uh, you know <laughs> the caliber of teams or of, of players in this game, but Louisville uh, knocked off Florida State 31 28. Lamar Jackson, um, 178 yards rushing and a touchdown. Also had 156 yards passing and a touchdown. 13 for 21, no turnovers. So pretty efficient game from him. Uh, Reggie Bonifant had 16 carries for 74 yards on a touchdown as uh, Louisville's running back. And he's someone who um, I expected to be their starting quarterback just a year ago, uh, or two years ago. Um, he, he got a little run there. Um you know, played as a freshman, never really developed as a quarterback, moved over to receiver, never really developed there, and now is taken over as their starting running back. And he's a guy who's pretty explosive. He's gotten uh, double-digit carries the past two weeks and has kind of emerged as their starter. Uh, so the past two weeks, he has 28 carries for 181 yards and two touchdowns, so pretty good line. He's someone who I think just as a pure athlete um, has a decent shot at making the NFL. Obviously, no lot of production, not a lot of experience at the position, but um, someone who's definitely worth moderating just because of how good of an athlete he is. Um, you know, he started for Louisville, all three of those positions in his past three years. Um, that's a little unrelated to the game, but, um, you know, I was obviously impressed with Lamar Jackson. Me and you always are, we're fans of his. Um, that running ability was phenomenal this game, had a nice long 51 yard run. The receivers still aren't really fully developed, uh, and that whole team around him still really isn't either. And on the Florida State side of things, uh, I think this is really, you know, kind of kind of similar to Michigan, um, except a lot more unexpected. A rebuilding year. They lost Francois, and that's really what, uh, you know, set the tone for them. But the defense is still the biggest surprise to me. Uh, I'm not sure how this defense, with all that talent they have, is faltering as much as it is. So that's just the big takeaway for me. Um, at 2-4, and four, you know, Florida Six might miss a bowl game, which, which would certainly be something considering they started the year off as a, you know, number two team in the
1: country. Yeah I really like your point on the defense because I think that it was pretty much consensus going into the season that Florida State was going to have one of the better defenses in the country and obviously like you said the Francois injury kind of derailed everything but to see them fall like this is shocking to be quite honest. I I assumed that after Francois was hurt that the defense would be able to kind of drag along the offense and that's really not what we've seen it's it's been extremely disappointing and i'm i'm sure that you saw uh the story from after the game when jimbo fisher head coach was was leaving and the fans were fans were uh berating him on his way out and he he called for them to come down and essentially wanted to fight the fans which is kind of interesting um yeah so so much in you know we can both agree that his job is safe correct
3: Yes, uh, I believe he has a twenty-five or six million dollar buyout. So even just from that yeah. point of view, it's um, just hard to even try to get rid of him right now. And I don't—he has—he sure. has no reason to be in trouble. I think you know we wrote it up last week. I think a guy like Jim Harbaugh is in more trouble than he is. But both of them are you know pretty 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 safe um, seats. Aren't even that warm yet.
1: Okay, yeah, because I I mean I I definitely agree. But to see to see this is it's truly shocking and. With all those expectations, you know, I can understand the fans' frustration. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can if they can kind of rally at some point or if this is just a complete lost cause season. They're obviously not going to reach the heights that they expected of themselves preseason. But, you know, I'll be watching to see what kind of fight they have left and how Jeff Fisher and the rest of the coaching staff rally and see if they can, you know, at least string wins together, which they're struggling to do, obviously, right now.
3: Mm-hmm uh their, their their schedule doesn't really get that much easier um delaware state should be a win for them so that, that'll get them to three wins but uh they have bc syracuse clemson and florida to finish the year so
1: they could lose all four of those games
3: yeah they'd have to go uh they'd have to go two and two in those games i think it's pretty easy for them to, to see them losing to syracuse and florida um, or no, not Syracuse. Clemson, excuse me. I think they would probably lose to Syracuse too, just because of the way they've yeah. struggled on defense. Um, and BC's been a challenge too. And that game's at BC, and it's a night game this Friday. And BC's been—they've had some weird Friday night games the past couple of years. So um, Florida State could potentially end up three and eight this year, which is certainly something. Um, and I kind of mentioned it briefly last week. I, I think they're in trouble going, you know, looking down the line. They don't have a quarterback commit in this year's class after missing out on Justin Fields. Um, they had uh, another four-star coming last year with James Blackman. Obviously, you're really going to need Blackman to develop. Um, otherwise, that offense uh, is going to be pretty anemic unless the offensive line is able to string something together in the next couple of years. But if you have a subpar quarterback and a subpar offensive line and, in, uh, in, you know, what probably is up for debate is the best conference in the country in the ACC, you um, that's where that's where Jimbo Fisher could start getting himself into some trouble.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. This, you know, this is the first time that he's really kind of been facing adversity, I think, if that's fair to say as Florida State head coach. So, mm-hmm. we're we're going to we're going to see what kind of coach he is. I know that's kind of cliché and, you know, sort of out there to say, but this, you know, adversity really shows what kind of what kind of leader you can be. And that's why I think it's going to be interesting to watch Florida State the rest of the year, even if it's not for the reasons we first anticipated.
3: Definitely, definitely. Um, speaking of the ACC, we're going to stick in that conference. Miami uh, squeaked one out against Syracuse, 27-19. to uh, Syracuse scored to make it uh, 20-19 to late, and then Miami put up another touchdown to kind of pull away. Um, Eric Dungy, who had been one of, if not the best quarterback in the ACC coming to the game, really struggled as a passer, uh, 13 for 41, 137 yards, no touchdowns, four interceptions, uh, did have 100 yards rushing, but um, ultimately it's kind of what set them back in this game. The rushing attack was good for Syracuse again. Dante Strickland had 105 yards, uh, kind of stumbled on a, on a second and one, or I don't know if a second or third and one late in the game, but uh, kind of derailed them. They lost a couple of yards, and that's why they ended up stalling late in the game. Um, Steve Ishmael is a guy I like for Syracuse. I uh, mentioned him briefly last year, I know. A lot of Debbie guys have been waiting for him to blow up. He's got size. He's got speed. Um, He's kind of been expected to be Syracuse's top receiver the past two years. Um, Last year, obviously, Amba Edatawa broke out for them and uh, had a tremendous year. But that's kind of what Ishmael's doing this year for them. He's already got 843 yards and four touchdowns on the year. So glad to see him producing. On the Miami side of the ball, um, Malik Rozier has been solid all year. Um, I don't think he's a tremendous quarterback by any means, but he's someone that will get the job done. Travis Homer was also good for them. Had 95 yards and a touchdown. Um, Miami's just kind of like the cardiac kids, I think. They just find a way to pull things out. Um, I saw on Twitter somebody said they're kind of like that uh, Auburn team a couple of years ago with uh, Nick Marshall, where they just they're, they're not the they're clearly not the best team, but they they find a way to win. They have that luck on their side. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting. They're still undefeated, so um, got you know they they have a you know a decently tough schedule the rest of the way, I believe. Um, but they're a team that, if they run the table, obviously they're in. But, uh, you know, if they they falter before the ACC championship game and win, uh, I think it might be a little difficult for them.
1: Yeah, and Travis Homer, like you said, had a really good game for Miami uh, coming in for Mark Walton. That was good to see if you're a Miami fan. And, you know, they gave up – Miami's defense gave up almost 400 yards of offense, but they also turned over Syracuse four times. And if they can continue to force turnovers and play well on offense, Miami is a team that I really have – I'm having a hard time kind of pegging as to exactly what to make of them. I think that you kind of summed it up really well with, you know, talking about how they kind of like the cardiac kids. I think that's a good way to put it. And I think that they have a lot of really nice pieces on both sides of the ball. And if they continue to click, you know – they're a threat to win every single game as we've seen i mean they're undefeated but i'm still like kind of i don't know i'm still having a hard time exactly placing them in my mind where i think they should be but amon richard's had another nice game he's a guy i think that we both like the wide receiver he had six catches 99 yards and christopher herndon is a guy i think you touched on maybe in our preseason acc pod he had the tight end he had 10 catches 96 yards and a touchdown so he saw a ton of volume which is encouraging to see. Um, it's always good to have an explosive element at the tight end position for, for that offense. So, yeah, I mean, Miami just keeps winning, and I think that we have to at least, you know, we have to respect what they've done on paper on the field so far.
3: Mm-hmm. Certainly. Uh, another team kind of in the same vein as them, I would say, right now is Wisconsin. Um, they, they continued rolling this week, undefeated again, uh, still undefeated this year. Uh, they won 38-13 against Maryland. Taylor, I, I think at the very worst, uh i probably I think he's easily in the top five. Uh in my odds, uh, I put him top five out personally. Um he's been so impressive. Already has uh over eleven 1, hundred yards and eleven touchdowns this year as a true freshman. Um he, he had on um, uh excuse me, 126 yards on and touchdown in this game. Um so just kinda kept doing his thing. Other than Taylor, not a ton to take away from this uh, game for me. Um Wisconsin's defense is good. We kinda knew that coming in. Um other than that, not a ton to take away from. Well, like I said,
1: yeah. For for Wisconsin, they've had a pre-cake schedule, and that's you know that's pretty well known at this point. When people say Wisconsin, it's almost comma in the same breath. But their schedule is really easy. They, yes, they're seven and zero, but who have they played? And I think that those are you know those are okay criticisms because level of competition does matter, and they've they've missed a ton at the top of the Big Ten. Um they're they're winning who is in front they're winning against who is in front of them which is all you can really ask of them and like you said Jonathan Taylor has been spectacular he's like you said a true freshman he's currently 4th in the nation in rushing and you know it's pretty it's pretty incredible it just every week it seems to build but this the the youth running back movement in college football right now is insane and Jonathan Taylor you know he's just slowly just climbing up that up that ladder in the same convert he's you know he is right now in the same conversation as guys that we've talked about like Dobbins, um, you know some of the other guys for twenty twenty the running backs he's he's right there and he belongs and like you said you you kind of like him as a Heisman trophy uh, candidate and I can't really disagree with that either he's he's been absolutely spectacular he's a reason to watch Wisconsin every week um, and I don't know if you look at the if you look at the rest of their schedule um, I do, I mean do you see a do you see a loss? Do you see a loss?
3: I have, yeah, I have it up here. Um, m- no, if they played at Iowa, that would really be the only game that concerns me. Um, other than that, I don't think Michigan really scares anyone at this point. Um, I think that would probably be Michigan would easily be their best win, um, probably followed by Iowa, and then is FAU their third best win if they went out?
1: I mean FAU or Indiana. I I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's gross. So, I mean, what it really comes down to, I I think probably that Michigan game, obviously there's their toughest game left. I think Michigan is still relatively talented, so they could stumble there. But if they go undefeated into, you know, assuming the big 10 championship game, um, I guess then we'll finally find out what exactly they're made of. But they're another team kind of like Miami that I'm having a hard time pegging. It's, you know, they're seven and oh, and that's what matters but I'm just not entirely sold just because of who they play so far
3: yeah and Indiana I think could potentially give them a game um it took Michigan down to the wire took Michigan State down to the wire this week uh and hung with Ohio State at least in the first half um so potentially um it's at at Indiana um not going to rule that out never want to rule out a loss in college football um Last game we're going to talk about here quick is Oklahoma State. They knocked off Texas in overtime 13-10. Oklahoma State kicked a field goal at the start of overtime. And then uh, really a a puzzling throw. I don't know if you saw it by uh, Sammy Linger, but it was just – I I didn't know what to make of it. I I thought it was one of the – I don't even know how to describe it. Like, he he had nobody near him in the end zone. He should have thrown the ball away, and he just lofted it up into the end zone. Um, right to Oklahoma State defender and, and Texas lost I don't know if he had money on Oklahoma State or what happened there <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was that was bizarre
1: yeah I actually didn't see that live but I saw the replay and and honestly God man first thing I thought it was you man because I could just imagine you watching that and just being like why are you doing this to me why are you doing this to me because <laughs> I know you love Ellinger and he's been really great but that was a completely puzzling throw it, you know, I guess maybe we forget sometimes that he's a true freshman. And as good as he's been, you know, he's still probably going to make mistakes. That one is tough to reason away. And ultimately, obviously, lost them a game, essentially. But, you know, this was an interesting game, I thought, just because it was a pretty defensive-oriented battle. Texas' defense, I, I think that, you know, what they did holding holding Oklahoma State to 10 points in regulation – is really impressive for them because I you know we both really like Oklahoma State's offense Um, again Texas doesn't win they're three and four so they're not super pumped about what's going on there right now but I think that you know Tom Herman has to be proud of his defense I think that they are moving in the right direction I would say there but they're still just you know they're putting the pieces together and for Oklahoma State Again, sort of the same way I feel about Oklahoma winning on the road at Kansas State, a tough game in a tough environment. This is kind of what you have to do to be able to keep surviving and advancing, hopefully moving toward the playoff if you can get there. So it's a good win for Oklahoma State, ugly, not the way that they generally win games, but, you know, they got the job done.
3: Yeah, and I think I was really concerned with Oklahoma State after this game because they weren't able to put up points. Um, But looking at the Big 12 standings right now, um, there's four teams at 3-1 and one, And TCU is undefeated um, Oklahoma State still has to play West Virginia this week Which we'll talk about later Oklahoma and Iowa State So all, all the top 25 teams uh, I know Iowa State has to play Oklahoma State Oklahoma and West Virginia er, er, Excuse me They to play uh, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and TCU They already knocked off Oklahoma So um, Big 12 is very interesting Iowa State's alive and well um to win that division which is certainly something um but a division uh, a conference i think which can kind of cannibalize itself down the stretch um pcu is undefeated right now but um stuff could certainly go wrong for them yeah
1: and we've we've kind of been touching touching on this every single week talking about the big 12 and how intriguing it is and in a lot of different ways and as these teams at the top keep winning it just keeps amplifying that intrigue it's you know to me, like, I, I feel like I say it every week, but to me, watching what shakes out at the top of the Big 12 is going to be one of my favorite things to see for the rest of the way.
3: Definitely, definitely. Uh, before we get into the previews quick this week, I just want to take a moment to talk about my MyBookie. Um, as as you guys know, uh, we've been talking about my bookie for the past couple of weeks. Um, they've been in the business for years. Their reputation is rock solid, and they do uh, cash bonuses. So right off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. They have the fastest payouts uh, in just two business days. I know you talked about that last week with your payouts. Um, you know, if you want the money on there last week, uh, we, we're recommending we're recommending it because uh, you know it's been good to us before. Um, so right when you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. So if you join my bookie now, uh, they'll match your deposit with a 50% bonus if you use uh, our promo code RotoCFB to activate that offer. Um, You can just go to visit mybookie.ag today. uh, Use that promo code ROTOCFB to activate that offer. Um, And it's certainly a great deal. recommend you guys to go check it out. First game we're going to talk about here this week is the big one. Game day is going there. Number two versus number six. Uh, Penn State traveling to Ohio State. Hoping to get tickets for this game. Uh, Waking (laughs) up at 7 tomorrow morning. Fingers crossed. Um, But this is certainly... uh, going to be I'd say one of the biggest games of the year at least in terms of college football playoff implications um certainly with the Big Ten this is kind of the deciding game in the Big Ten East I'd say I don't think Michigan State really I think that game against Michigan was kind of a fluke um I don't think they're they're a great team by any means um Oklahoma Oklahoma State I'm sorry uh Ohio State uh has one of the most efficient offices in the country um I know, uh, as you guys know, I'm not the biggest JT Barrett fan in the world, but uh, the past few weeks, he has been absolutely on fire, uh, has just one interception on the year, um, and Ohio State's coming off a bye this week, which I think will certainly help in resting up to play what's going to be their first true challenge in a while. Um, They've played, since they lost to Oklahoma, they've played Army, UNLV, Rutgers, Maryland, and Nebraska, so uh, not the toughest competition. We kind of touched on that last week a little bit, but Barrett's been great for them. Um, J.K. Dobbins has been great for them as well Mike Weber's been starting to get more work and the receivers have been developing uh, as well and that defense has always been tremendous Um, they're ranked second in run defense which should be a little tough uh, for Saquon Barkley to get going Um, I'm really intrigued by this game I honestly don't know what to expect and who's going to win but I think uh, Ohio State getting 7 points just seems a little bit high to me Um, I'd I'd take Penn State with the points, but I wouldn't feel comfortable betting on this game at all because I really don't know who's going to win. Yeah,
1: you laid out a ton of good points there. I think that basically everything you said are the the keys to this game. I think that Ohio State hasn't really been tested necessarily over the last couple weeks. JT Barrett has done very well during that stretch, and... It'll be interesting to see if he can continue that against a much tougher defense than anything he's faced. I would say up to this point, Penn State's defense looked really good against Michigan last week. albeit Michigan is a bit limited on that side of the ball, but Ohio State's defense is really good at limiting, <clears throat> excuse me, really good at limiting explosive plays which has you know, for Penn State's offense it hasn't been as big a piece of their offense as last year, but they still do rely on those downfield shots in the big plays, especially when their offense is sputtering. It kind of gets it kick-started, and Ohio State has been really, really good against uh, downfield explosive plays. So, you know, this is a really tough one. I, I think that, quite honestly, I think this line is just about on the nose. Right, it'll be interesting to see if it moves. I think that it could potentially move down towards... Penn State, I think it could go down to five or four and a half, four. Um, At seven, I I think I'm also going to take Penn State, but I do believe that Ohio State likely wins this game. Um, Being at home, they're really tough to beat there, and I think that Ohio State's defense is actually better than Michigan's defense all around, and I think they could give Penn State's offense trouble. I think it really could come down to Trace McSorley and... I am just not 100% that he can completely keep it together for a full game if it comes down to the end. So I guess I'll take Penn State plus 7, but like you said, this this is like a stay-away game in real life for betting, in my opinion.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you made a good couple points there that I want to go off of. Um, I think Ohio State's essentially like a better version of Michigan in every facet of the game. Like They're very similar teams. Um, Ohio State throws downfield a little more. Um, one thing that concerned me a little bit from Penn State's game against Michigan, uh, John O'Corn had some running room, which was something I was surprised with. Um, they, he had some big holes where he was able to scramble, and they weren't able to wrap him up, and that's not going to fly against JT Barrett. If that happens against JT Barrett, Ohio State will blow this game open. Um, also, the secondary has been good for Penn State, but uh, they haven't faced a guy who has speed like Paris Campbell, so containing him on the big plays is going to be a key for them. And McSorley can't come out. Um, with, with, what I've seen with him this year is that he comes out almost a little too excited, um, a little inconsistent at the beginning of the game. Uh, kind of takes him a little bit to get going. And if he's rattled at the start of this game on the road, he might never get into it. Um, so oh, I think Ohio State. I think ESPN gave Ohio State like a 75% chance to win. Um, I don't think I put it that high. I probably put it like 65-35, but. I think they certainly have a good shot to win this game, um, especially after what happened last year. Um, I know that. I know the Ohio State people. I know were not too happy about that game. Um, but overall, I'm I'm super excited for this game. I think it's going to be um, at the very least a great game to watch. Um, next game we're going to talk about. Um, we're going we're going back to the former number two team in the country. Uh, we haven't talked about them in a couple weeks. Uh Georgia Tech and uh, Georgia Tech's not the former number two team, but they're playing Clemson, former number two team. Um, Uh, Clemson's coming off a bye uh, and that loss to Syracuse I think that's a much needed bye for them Um, Georgia Tech obviously has that triple option so it's a little hard to prepare for that but uh, when you have a bye to prepare for it I would assume a team like Clemson is going to be fine with that Um, that defense is usually stout especially against the run Um, they have that nasty defensive line Um, and I think Clemson should roll pretty well in this game. They're going to come out mad. Um, I don't know if you saw, they had a video of uh, like, a, like a locker room fight club almost this past week. Um, so they're certainly fed up with what happens. Um, I'm sure they'll be okay. Um, that offense will kind of get back in sync, that whole team, I think. So I'm going to take uh, Clemson pretty, pretty big in this game. I don't know if there's a line on this game or not, um, but I'm going to take Clemson regardless of the points.
1: Yeah, I haven't been able to find a line um, yet. But I, I, the reason I wanted to talk about this game just briefly is for a couple of reasons, like you said. Uh, Georgia Tech has played just, a, you know, they've played really well this season. And um, I honestly thought that they were going to have their hands full with Wake Forest last week. And they did for a time, but they kind of pulled away at the end. And they've just been really efficient uh, on offense and on defense. they played well on defense. And I think, like you said, Clemson off a of bye. Uh, Probably still stinging a bit from that loss to Syracuse. I do think Clemson wins this game as well. But it's just, I I think that Georgia Tech might be a tougher test than it looks on paper. I don't necessarily think they'll threaten to win. But Clemson is a team that I, I haven't given up on. I know that after that loss and the bye, they've kind of gotten sort of pushed to the wayside, I guess, maybe. I know that you know most people know that they're still really talented, but they're still a team that I haven't completely written off for the playoff. I, it, it'll be interesting to see if Kelly Bryant can play. Uh, I couldn't find any definitive on whether he'll or not. I know he was in concussion protocol, uh, so that could kind of shift the game a bit if he's unable to go. But um, hmm. my bad. Um, but yeah, so I think that this game could actually be a little more entertaining than it initially looks on paper. I do think Clemson wins. I agree with you. But this will be kind of a tougher test for them, and I think if they're going to keep pushing towards the playoff, this is obviously a must-win for them with one loss already.
3: Yeah, certainly. I, I think they're still probably the favorite in the ACC. Um, as long as Kelly Bryan's healthy the rest of the way, that team should be fine. Like you said, Georgia Tech, um, they lost to Tennessee by one point, but they never trailed in the game. They lost in overtime. Um, that game was a real shootout. Miami, too, they really came down to the wire. So they've proven they can hang with teams. They just haven't been able to pull off the upset. Um I wish they would gotten to play that game against UCF. It uh, got canceled because of the storm. But, uh, you know, that would have been a good test for UCF, I think, especially Scott Frost, former triple-option quarterback. Um, I think that would have been a very intriguing matchup to watch. So um, too, that's too bad that, that game got canceled. But I think, uh, I think like you said, um, it'll be an entertaining game uh, at the very least. <laughs> um, going back over to the Big 12, uh, we already mentioned Oklahoma State, how they play West Virginia this week. Um, but this is a game that I think should be uh, what one calls a shootout. Um, there should be some points scored in this game. Uh, it's at at West Virginia, um, but uh, Oklahoma's a t- Oklahoma State's a touchdown favorite. Um, they were able to hold Texas ten points last week, like we mentioned. Their defense has been getting better, um, but Will Greer has also been uh, doing his thing for the whole year. Uh, he's been getting better, I'd say. He has twenty six touchdowns, to five interceptions, just five interceptions this year. Um, I talk about him a lot. I'm a big Will Greer guy, um, so I'm not going to touch on him too much. Um, but overall, I-, I think Oklahoma State's struggling. I think they're almost due for a loss. Uh, I know, you know, I don't really like to put things that way, but that game against Texas really concerned me. They, they-, they really didn't look good. Um, and if it comes down to a shootout, I-, I just take Mason Rudolph over Will Greer if it comes down to simply that. But, uh, you know, struggled against texas a little bit struggled against texas tech struggled with tcu obviously lost that game um and it's at west virginia uh and it's a night game stuff gets weird in morgantown at night um that's for sure so i'm gonna take west virginia straight up uh with the points uh with the plus seven i'll definitely take them with those
1: yeah i like how you put how things get weird in morgantown at night and uh Things get weird during the day there too. They, but at
3: night, it's a whole different story. Yeah,
1: I've spent I've spent a good amount of time in Morgantown, both in day and night, and I can attest to that being the absolute <laughs> truth. That is not fake news. That is the truth. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, um, I think you made a lot of good points. I, I think that one thing that I'm kind of looking at in this game is the fact that West Virginia has been a bit vulnerable to uh, the deep passing game, explosive plays through the passing game. And like you said, Oklahoma State definitely struggled last week against Texas. Uh, James Washington was held, I think, 32 receiving yards, which has to be his lowest receiving total in a very, very, very long time. It was kind of surprising to see him struggle that much. Um, You know, in in fairness, we should mention when James Washington struggles because we always bring it up when he dominates. So just put that on the record. But uh, yeah, I, I think that. You know, I think this is this actually could be a bounce back spot for Oklahoma State's offense. I do kind of, I do kind of worry. I agree with you. I think that this probably will be high scoring, and the home team getting points is always intriguing. But I, I kind of, I, I kind of think that Oklahoma State. You know, I think that this is sort of a good spot for them. I know that doesn't sound maybe logical, being on the road and at night, all those things that you mentioned. But I think that this is kind of a spot where they can get their offense back in gear. And I do think that their defense has been improving. It's still not good by any means. But I think that they're getting better. And I actually kind of like Oklahoma State's offense in a shootout, even against Will Greer, who has been really good. So I'm actually going to lay the seven on the road. It's, it's kind of risky. And this game, I feel like, could go any which way, really. It just feels like kind of that spot. But I'm going to put my trust in the Oklahoma State offense for a bounce back in Morgantown. And, yeah, I don't feel super great about it, but I'll go Oklahoma State minus seven there.
3: Yeah, it'll certainly be a game uh, I want to watch this weekend. Um, Before we continue with the previews, just want to take a moment to talk about draft. Um, If you love fantasy football, then you need to try our new favorite app, which is Draft. Um, Here's how it works. All you have to do is draft, and that draft lasts for one week and there's no management. All you have to do is set it and you forget it. Uh, Once you're done drafting, that's it, no trades, no waiver wire, it's like a best ball ball league, they even take care of injuries for you. Um, Drafts are starting every couple minutes, so you can join right now. Um, They start for just $1 and you can play for cold hard cash. Uh, Come join our draft today, you can download the app at any time, just search draft in the app store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on playdraft.com, whatever you want. For limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. You just have to use our promo code RVRADIO. Uh, so you can play a real money game for free just for using that promo code RV Radio on your first deposit. So just search Draft in the App Store or go to PlayDraft.com and come play for free with promo code RV RVRADIO. Um, probably the game I'm most excited for besides that Penn State game this week is uh, North Carolina State at Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame was tremendous this week. It was a game we didn't touch on but they absolutely dominated USC uh, 49-14, they looked tremendous. That rushing attack has been outstanding all year and this was uh, one of their better games. Um, Brandon Wimbush looked really sharp all game. Uh, I'm glad to see he bounced back from injury. Um, he really threw some pretty balls in what I saw. i am um, been really impressed with him. I think he has a legitimate future as an NFL quarterback. Um, Josh Adams had 191 rushing yards in that game. Wimbush had 106. They're really the two guys that make things go. Um, NC State, that D-line, I know we touched that on that in our previous series this offseason, is one of the better ones in the country. Bradley Chubb should be a top 20 pick in this year's draft. Um, Notre Dame's defense has been stellar, though, all year, too. They've been picking it up. Um, It should kind of be a strength-on-strength game, though, for North Carolina State and Notre Dame, as North Carolina State's strength is their run defense. Like I said, Notre Dame's strength is their run game. Uh, I'm still going to take Notre Dame in this game. Uh, They're favored by 7.5. Um, it's at home for them. I think they're they're going to be hyped up after this USC game. Uh, and if they run the table, I, I think they're, they should be in the college football playoff. Uh, their schedule the rest of the way isn't easy. Um, have NC State this week, and then they have to travel to Miami, to Stanford, and they're also home for Navy and Wake Forest, um, which those aren't easy games by any stretch either. But uh, if they went out and their only loss is a one-point loss to a Georgia team, then I think everybody can agree is probably a top five team in the country at the very least even if they stumble in alabama um i think they're definitely in
1: yeah those are all really good points and notre dame has sort of quietly been pretty amazing i I don't know it it feels to me like they've kind of snuck up on me personally um you, you know you you hit on a lot of good stuff there i think that this is a really interesting matchup obviously because nc state like you said has a really good run defense and Notre Dame, uh, led by Josh Adams, a guy that I really liked in the preseason. He's actually been exceeding my expectations, to be quite honest. He's another guy that's sort of quietly sneaking, maybe backdoor sneaking into the Heisman race, potentially if he continues. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy that I just really, really like, and I think that he's a really interesting prospect for 2018. He has, you know, a, a pretty interesting blend of size and speed. I think he, when you when you watch him on tape, he it's kind of an awkward stride he sort of looks you know like I don't even know I don't know the correct tape terms but he he just sort of looks awkward maybe kind of at times but he he has really good acceleration for his size and he's just really thrived in that in that Notre Dame run game and he's kind of been propelling them forward so I think as long as he's still healthy and and has a grip on that backfield I think they have a good chance to win every game and like you said. If they win out, I don't see any reason why they're not in the top four come season's end because they generally play a really tough schedule and they will have that this year as well, especially with a lot of signature wins, like you said, especially last week against USC. Um, NC State is, you know, they've been really interesting and, and a really good team all year long. Their offense has quietly been really efficient with Ryan Finley, a quarterback. Um, I, I think that This is sort of a similar spot, you know, this is kind of the same thing as we looked at last week with USC, Notre Dame at home, um, laying close to a touchdown, Um, and I think that they can continue to roll, although I'm actually going to take NC State plus seven and a half here, I think that Notre Dame wins, but I don't necessarily think that it's going to be a runaway like we saw last week. I think that USC is a bit in, you know, they're a bit in disarray right now. Injuries have kind of caught up to them. Um, Darnold is a bit shaky, which we don't even have to talk about this week, thankfully. But uh, I, I just like what I've seen from NC State. And I and I think that they're pretty legit. I think that what we've seen so far is is not an aberration. I think it's real. And I think their defense can not necessarily stop Notre Dame's offense, but at least limit them. And I like NC State's offense. I think they can do some things in this game. This is a really interesting game. I mean, there are a ton of really good games this weekend, but this is one that I'm definitely going to try and watch if I can. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to just, you know, long story long, I'm going to take NC State plus 7.5. Um, but, yeah, I, this just should be a good game to watch from just a, just an entertainment standpoint.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to touch on quick, uh, I think this might be uh, an Safe Rounds Browns uh, breakout game. I was... Really high on him coming to the year. Had him as my number one receiver. I was just looking. Uh, NC State has given up uh, some big games to receivers this year. Um, Debo Samuel had 83 yards and two touchdowns. Steve Ishmael had uh, over 100 yards. And Auden Tate had 138 yards. Um, If they really key in on the run, uh, St. Brown is their leading receiver this year. They haven't passed the ball much. But um, I think he could break a big play in this game. Um, That's what I'm hoping anyway. Um, I'm hoping he makes me look great. But probably not. So uh we we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um next game up uh we have Washington versus Josh Rosen. I'm just going to put it at that. Um Washington's at home. Uh you have it here in the notes. I agree with you. Josh Rosen might die. Um I don't think this will be a, a pretty game uh for for Mr. Rosen, unfortunately. I think it is a good test to see him go up against uh what's one of the be- is one of the best defenses in the country. Um, however as we touched on before he doesn't have a lot of help to um, try to do anything against those defenses Uh, hopefully the offensive line holds up for him this game um, just for health Um, I'd be worried about uh, going back there uh, against Washington's Washington's defense to begin with but if you have a subpar offensive line that worries me even more Um, if Rosen does show out in this game I think uh, that'll certainly help him vault up draft boards he is my number one quarterback right now um, I think uh, if he has a big game this game, I think it will only widen the gap for me personally. Um, I, really li- I really like Rosen. Um, so not much to touch on with the rest of UCLA, um, although their running back did have a very nice hurdle last week. I don't know if you saw yes. that against uh, Oregon. The guy went completely over the top of him and stepped on his helmet, which was pretty cool. Um, Washington's coming off a bye. Uh, I'd like to see Dante Pettis get a little more involved. Um, he has six touchdowns this year. But uh, the receiving yards just haven't been there like they were last year. Um, only averaging 10.7 yards per reception as opposed to uh, 15.5, which he had last year. Although he does, uh, he has almost matched his uh, total number of receptions from last year, which is interesting. Um, I really like Pettis, too, coming into the year. Uh, I believe I had him at number five. Probably dropped him down a little bit. Um, but still a guy I like. Uh, Washington's at home. Um, not a lot going for UCLA, like I said. Washington's 17-point favorites, and I think they should cover that pretty easily.
1: Yeah, I. it's funny. Well, first of all, that that UCLA running back, like you said, that was insane. I, I was actually watching football with a, with a couple friends, and um, one of them, we saw a highlight of that, and they asked, is that is that is that legal? And I was like, well, I guess if you can jump high enough to put the bottom of your feet on the opposing player's shoulder pads, I guess they just let you go. And that, I mean literally like that was incredible. I I, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Probably won't see it again. It's a shame that that's probably going to be the highlight of UCLA season. Um, you know, Josh Rosen, I we both really like Josh Rosen. He's just in a very tough situation right now. And, you know, I think he knows it. I think the fans know it. And I think that NFL evaluators probably know it as well. It's pretty hard to miss at this point. I I really am kind of worried about Josh Rosen in this game. I know that You know, Rosen might die is definitely hyperbole, but Washington is really good at getting after the quarterback. Um, Coming into last weekend's games, they were third in adjusted sack rate per um, Bill Connolly's S&P Plus rankings, which does not bode well for UCLA. UCLA is also minus 10 in turnover margin. So all these things are kind of pointing towards a potential avalanche here. And I agree. I personally think that this number is low. I think that it could be mm-hmm. – I would even consider taking Washington even a touchdown higher maybe, minus 24. I think that this line is a bit low. I think that Washington is kind of just sort of lurking in the weeds, another team that is you know, kind of quietly going about their business, but their defense is very good. And um, I know that we're both not extremely high on Jake Browning as far as an NFL career, but I think that he's still – he, I think he's still a good college quarterback at the very least. And UCLA's defense is obviously vulnerable. I think that he could do very well in this game. I think that, um, you know, their running backs that we've talked about, Coleman and Gaskin, those two could probably have decent outings as well against UCLA um, at home. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to lay the 17. It's a big number in a conference game, but UCLA just kind of feels like an exception in this point. At this point, excuse me. Um, But I just am hoping that Josh Rosen makes it out okay because – uh, we're both really high on him, especially moving forward to the NFL.
3: Yeah, talking about guys like Rosen, um, Lamar Jackson, John Kelly. Um, I don't know if you're a basketball guy. Uh, the Suns fired their coach today, and their point guard tweeted out maybe an hour ago just saying, I don't want to be here right now. Yes. And I feel like those guys are kind of in the same boat as uh, as him. Uh, they just really need to get out of there immediately for yes, their own that's safety. A, that's a terrific parallel.
1: Um, it, and and I kind of surprised Josh Rosen, you know, because like we've always talked about, about he doesn't really care about football and he's more interested in 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 interviews and saying uh outlandish things if you believe uh you know some people but yeah i agree i i just want lamar and josh to both get out of these seasons healthy and to the combine
3: definitely definitely uh last game up another similar game i think uh to this washington game is georgia versus florida um Georgia's 14.5 point favorites in this game, like you said, uh, for that game, Washington game. I think this probably could be even higher. Um, Georgia has a tremendous defense. Florida has a subpar offense. Um, Georgia's rushing attack, this will be a good challenge for them, I think, going against the Florida defense, which is pretty solid. Um, I just really don't think Florida's going to be able to move the ball at all. Um, that offense is just uh, very, very subpar. Uh, it nicely. Um, I'm interested to see how they split carries, though, um, since it will be kind of a tougher defense. Are they going to want to just have one guy grind it down and then maybe have like DeAndre Swift come in in the fourth quarter and put the game away? Or are they going to spread the carries out throughout the game um, You know, with that talented backfield they have? Um, Georgia's coming off a bye as well. Um, so, not... They'll be well-rested for this game. Uh, I believe Florida is as well. But, um, you know, I think George is clearly the talented team, um, so I'm going to take them plus fourteen and a half. I'd probably say they win this by three touchdowns pretty easily. I
1: appreciate I appreciate that uh, that look, um, and I agree with pretty much everything you said. It, it feels very strange for either team in this particular matchup to be to be favored by more than two touchdowns because this is generally year in year out a pretty competitive game against usually pretty evenly matched teams. This definitely feels like an exception this season. You laid it out. Georgia's been fantastic on defense. Florida has been and a nightmare at times to watch on offense. They've sort of been coming around a bit, maybe in the last couple of weeks, but it hasn't been against a defense of the caliber of Georgia. They just haven't seen that in that stretch. Um, it's a big number. This, this is, again, a, a game that if the spread stays around here, I would not bet this game because I think it's probably pretty close again to the number, uh, in a, in a situation like that, I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to take Florida plus 14 and a half. It doesn't feel great. It actually feels really gross, but that number just, it, it just, it feels like it could be right on the nose. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see which way the money comes in this week from a betting perspective to see um, if that number goes up. And if it does, if it if it goes up to, say, like through 17, for instance, uh, I'd be more interested in Florida because I don't know that the spread is that big between these two. I think Florida I think that Florida's defense can at least contain Georgia's offense. And I think that this will probably be a low scoring game. And because of that, and that spread, it kind of just makes me feel a little uneasy laying that many points. So, uh, grudgingly, I'm going to take Florida plus 14 and a half, and you know, um, go cry in the shower, I guess, because it's probably going to be terrible. But yeah, th- again, this this is going to be a good match, uh, a good test for Georgia's running backs. Like you said, they've kind of been splitting carries, um, so it'll be interesting to see if they if they rely more heavily on Chubb against uh what in theory is a good a good defense a florida gator defense
3: yeah um i do want to see how uh, jake Fromm does against this defense it should be the best defense he's uh, really played against um, because i don't think he played all of the notre dame game i believe that's when Eason got hurt Correct.
1: yes that is correct
3: yeah so this will be his toughest start i, I think um and, uh, just one more note with them. I've talked about it before, but, uh, Justin Fields for Georgia, their commit, uh, out for the year now for them. So just one storyline to watch for next year coming into camp with them. Um, that's going to do it for all our, uh, previews this week. And then we have our upset picks if you want to get started with yours.
1: Yeah. So these haven't been great the last couple weeks. Uh, <laughs> I think that you hit on one in the last two weeks. I think that I've whiffed on the last two, um,
3: South Carolina covered for me
1: there you go man yeah you're 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 keeping up our good name I guess uh
3: yeah bet against Butch Jones
1: yes always it's a this is a reminder again to the listeners you know do not these these are not quote-unquote lead pipe locks do not bet your your house your mortgage your children do not bet anything like that on these picks but just as a sort of guideline things that we see that kind of look funny uh for me it's kind of a A middling matchup in the Big Ten. It's it's Minnesota traveling to Iowa. Minnesota is currently getting seven and a half points. This is interesting to me because I think Minnesota is you know sort of like a secretly decent team, and Iowa does play better at home, which is where they are. But I think that Minnesota can can keep this close, and I think that they can sort of muck it up. I I don't think it's going to be a necessarily an entertaining game to watch or or a high scoring game by any means, but I think that this game is close and i would actually be sort of interested in the money line on this um i think minnesota has a chance to win outright but just one that kind of caught my eye um and i know that you have uh, a big 12 matchup that you want to talk about Mm
3: -hmm. yeah it was between a big 12 matchup and a Pac 12 matchup i ended up taking uh iowa state plus six and a half uh their their home against tcu um so I think just them being at home, uh, that's actually a pretty good stadium to play at. I think um, it's a tough environment, and they've had a lot of momentum this year. Um, and TCU, they haven't really played the top of this competition. They played um, Oklahoma State obviously, but other than that, they haven't had a real test this year. Um, this is a game I'd be interested in the money line with too. I think I wouldn't be shocked to see Iowa State pull this off. I'm a I'm a believer in Matt Campbell. Um, so I think they can they can certainly pull this one out. And then just uh, another quick one um, was uh, Arizona plus 2.5, uh, home against Washington State. Um, I know we t- touched on him briefly, but uh, Khalil Tate, I think, is legit. I believe he had a 130 yards rushing this week. So um, Arizona is kind of a team that's really on the up and coming. Wouldn't... And
1: just one real quick one, uh, another one that I just saw. Uh, we talked about Florida State kind of reeling they go to boston college i think that we you touched on this a little bit um florida state is favored by three points right now um i don't know man like that's a little bit it feels a little funky to me but i could i mean you can't tell me you can't see a situation where boston college wins that game
3: oh i can totally see it
1: okay okay so we can agree on that i know it's a small spread uh, it's kind of a weird game, but you know, if this tailspin continues, Boston College has kind of been on an upswing recently. So two things converging—that's definitely one that I'll be keeping an eye on as well.
3: What a time to be alive! How about over it? BC <laughs> over Florida State. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for uh, this week's episode of the Road to Miz College Football Show. Uh, for Jordan, he's on Twitter at jhoover9787. Uh, I'm Kyle, again on Twitter at kylepollockff, and uh, hope to hear from you guys soon. Take it easy, guys. Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a Road of His Radio podcast. Our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes for your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Radio. And remember, you can